this podcast is produced by the nonprofit organization Fairy Tales Dog Rescue. Follow Tiffany and Louise down the rescue road. Are you ready to rock and roll? Ready. F A I R Y T A I L S. Do dogs have a sixth sense? If you ask this on Google, you get this response. What is the sixth sense of a dog? In addition to hearing, smelling, and feeling weather activity, dogs can detect changes in barometric pressure or electromagnetic fields. According to an Associated Press poll, two-thirds of pet owners think their pets have a sixth sense about weather. So, yeah, and, you know, it, not just weather. Um, I mean, really, dogs have sixth sense about things that we cannot even explain, and that has been proven, and especially in the medical field. Yeah, exactly. They can smell diseases, and they can hear things from far away that we are not aware of. They can sense earthquakes coming before we know they're coming. Um, and, and cats too, by all means, all animals have these abilities. Yeah. They're more, I think they're very, they're just more in tuned to their earthly self, you know, where we've lost a lot of touch with our connection to this earth and this planet and this world. And they're, they have that connection, you know, and, uh, it's, it's beautiful and amazing, but dogs actually have a stronger connection than most animals. I would say they're used in so many situations to help. I think that there is uh, a difference uh, of the uh, connection that they have uh, where they can sense things on a whole different level than most of us humans can. And I think there is a difference of the things that they can obviously sense with their senses, uh, such as hearing or uh, smelling things like you know for example an earthquake or the weather i feel like those are physical traits they can do when we talk about the sixth sense we talk about something on a different level right uh like supernatural or uh, what's it called esp mm-hmm. uh, extrasensory perception uh, or the sixth sense i mean that's something beyond the what they can hear and smell and you know, right? Yeah. It's like they have a third eye. You know, it is something that is spiritual and something that we don't, most humans don't feel um, in connection to that. But, you know, there's people out there who are more sensitive to energies and things like that. But um, tapping into it like a dog where it's like instinctual is, is unique to them, I would say. It's not natural for us to try to tap into that. It seems that it is much more natural to them. We are many who believe this. And of course, there are are those who instantly get afraid of this topic and wants to debunk it or don't even want to talk about it at all. Um, But we here today are going to talk about the so-called sixth sense in dogs because it's uh, something that we all notice, I think, and we, we should talk about it more because science, instead of closing its eyes on this, needs to shed some light on it. You need to start investigating it, right? I mean, that's what science is all about. Right. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's, it's science. Most people with a scientific mind, they look at things like this and want to um, disregard it as just, you know, fantasy. But, uh, you know, 
why can't there be more scientific approach to it if if where you can take a scientific approach and be an open mind to it we might be able to find something there more you know um can i share a story please do so um do you remember when i was doing a lot of dog uh doggy daycare i know you still do doggy daycare but i was doing it too for a while i remember tearing up your backyard <laughs> Oh my, oh, well, there was that one, but I was doing it with, you know, like WAG or something like that, oh. or Rover. I think I was doing it with Rover. Anyway, um, so yeah, so I remember this one woman came, um, she was in town for work and she wanted me to watch her dog. So she brought this, it was like this hippo shaped dog. It was like a basset hound mixed with pit bull or something. I don't know what it was really fun. It was like just thick sausage dog. It was so cute, but she, but he, he was a, a service dog to her and it just, not by intentional, it was like almost an, an accident. But she had this condition. Um, I forget what the condition was, but it wasn't like something common. And he was able to sense um, before, like when it would happen before and alert uh, and wake her up from. So oh, yeah, if she would have a seizure or something. Maybe it was like seizures that. or something like that. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think it was a seizure. And yeah. uh, this dog is like, goes everywhere with her now. Even yeah. on airplanes, even though it's the size of a hippo, but it really does has like saved her life. Of course, that that is an amazing uh, testament to how dogs can sense things that we could never sense, and uh, you know that they're willing to help us too with it. You know that they're yeah, yeah. that dog is her hero yeah. every day. Yeah, that I know. is so amazing. And but I mean that would be explained scientifically though. Uh, you yes, know, exactly. Sure, you know, exactly. So I have a story that would be an example where you couldn't really explain it scientifically yet, you know, yet. as far as Ooh, it's here. So this is a story uh, that we have in uh, my family. We had this dog. He was a German shepherd. And uh, it was actually my great grandparents, Justa and Maivur, who had this German shepherd. And so the dog would know when he was coming home from work. Like a little bit before he was coming from work, she would always go, he would always go sit by the door. Mm -hmm. And um, it could be at any time of the day. Like great grandma Maivur didn't know when he was coming home. But she <laughs> wow. would know because the dog would go and sit, you know, like 15, 20 minutes wow. before. So, you know, she figured it out and she'd be like asking him like, hey, could you phone me when you leave work? I just want to see if it times when the dog goes to sit by the door. And, you know, they thought it was funny. And he he would phone her a couple of times when he left from work just to, you know, let it ring so that she would know like, aha, he leaves. And, you know, the dog would be by the door like right around that same time. So they would know. And it wow. was this amazing, like, how could she know? Because it was in another town, you know, when he started. Like, there was no knowing. That is crazy. Yeah, you can't prove it, you know. But something about his energy coming home, he felt, I don't know. I can't explain it either, obviously. I'm just trying but to guess. But it's a common thing. I mean, a lot of people have uh, uh, witnessed the, this with their own dogs or they heard somebody else say this. You know, it's a really common thing. So there's actually this guy, Rupert Sheldrake, who also noticed that he's a scientist, researcher, and author, and he actually decided to investigate it, and he wrote this book called Dogs That Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home. Mm. Oh, Here it is. my Look God. It. What a trip. The, oh, wow. So this is a thing. Yeah. And other explain, unexplained powers of animals. Oh, my God. Can I read this after you? Yes. 
You can take it home right now. You finished it? Yeah. Okay, thank you so much. Oh my God, that's so cool. So it's a book uh, that is scientifically inquiring about this behavior about dogs that seem to know when their parents are coming home from work. And even, you know, more amazingly, not only like everyday work things uh, that, you know, one might say, oh, it's a routine or they can hear when the car starts far away or stuff like that. There are even stories, you know, of a, a lot of people who work in commercial airlines who, you know, when they land, their dogs react and how this is a common thing amongst the staff there. And also army guys, you know, when they get deployed Mm. to come home and visit, they're they're like, they are continents far away. And still, you know, other family members register that the dog starts to signal and alert that the person Mm. is coming home. And this goes anything from, you know, like 10 minutes to like many hours in advance. It's amazing how they have this ability. So this guy started investigating it. You know, is this a thing? So um, he has um, studied over a thousand uh, pet parents and have them report and log their dog's behavior prior to uh, another family member coming home. And uh, all but one show the behavior of dogs uh, signaling, uh, you know, that the family members oh. coming home. All but one. Like, that's a lot. Yeah. And and you wonder, who is that one dog that I fucked know. up? <laughs> Could be for a number of reasons. Yeah. Maybe that dog, was, you know, was uh, uh, never motivated to let people know that somebody's yeah. coming home or, you know. Could be a number of reasons, or he just didn't feel the need to share the information, or he's busy doing other things. Hey, yeah, that's right. Anyway, there is this uh, really interesting studies that Rupert Sheldrake carried out about these dogs' the behavior, about their owners coming home. And so he really, I think, uh, scientifically proven that this is a common behavior and that they do seem to know. And the question is, of course, then how do they know this, Mm -hmm. right? Like that is, of course, still the big question. Yes, how? The scientific, science behind it. Yeah, so we think this is a fascinating topic, but we know that there are many of you out there who are a little bit like, eh, I don't know about this, you guys. And that's okay. We all, you know, think different things. Uh, But the interesting thing about, um, science stigma about uh, dogs being this perceptive uh, or even telepathic, if you will. Uh, the stigma itself is, I think it's sad because people will tend to say, you know, like, oh, I don't believe in God, I believe in science. Uh, that's a common saying, right? right? I don't believe in God, I believe in science. But then you act like science is this, you know, box of belief systems when it's not. It's it really is more of a method to inquire about things. It's not uh, a belief system per se. It's something you use. It's a tool set. Right. So I think that you can say, oh, I don't believe in something that haven't been scientifically proven yet. But, you know, don't close your eyes towards it. You know, right. like it doesn't exist or like it's wrong. Exactly. Because it hasn't been explained yet, so... Absolutely. Yeah. 
to think that we know everything or that we can know everything is naive. I mean, we don't we don't even use our brain at its full capacity, and we that's scientifically proven. So you know, it's there's so much more to know that we have no can't even explain because we don't even know how to think about it. Exactly, and so I mean to get back to. The topic, uh, what does Rupert Sheldrake say, you know, about this phenomenon about dogs being telepathic or understanding when their people are coming home? Uh, he says that it's because of something called morphic fields. Have you heard about this? No, Tiffany? morphic fields. That sounds like, I mean, I know morph what morphine is and like not morphine the drug but like morphine you transform so i could i'm trying to think of understanding the word but so i'm i'm excited to hear yeah well i am no professor in quantum physics but i will tell you that these morphic fields is basically something that uh, people in a social group such as a family for example, that we're all connected in one morphic field and you stay connected even if you're physically apart, even really far apart, so that you can still connect and affect each other. So you are still connected on a different level in another sphere in this morphic field. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to even try to get into any of that. But, <laughs> I mean, the idea of more. Th- Uh, morphic fields it would explain the theory of telepathic dogs and animals uh, of all kinds because these invisible bonds could act as channels for the telepathic communication and these links also underlie the sense of direction you know like uh, you hear these stories about dogs that get lost or they end up far away from home and somehow they find their way home it takes them months and they walk like across america and you know how the heck do they know Uh, so that would explain it that they are connected uh, with their person on a morphic field So it might be a way to explain a wide range of things that animals do and know that we don't have an explanation for today. Whatever explanation it turns out to be, I think it's clear uh, that we have a lot to learn from the animals. I know. I mean, we do. So, you know, I bet that there's um, people who are studying this on a regular basis, right? There are, but not nearly enough, I bet. I know. There needs to be more. Okay, Louise, maybe this could be something we can research a little bit more and have a part two of this, because I think this is fascinating. I always, when I hear those stories about an animal finding their way home from being away for months, I'm just so amazed that they can figure out that i mean i can't we wouldn't even be able to figure out if we didn't have we'd have gps we have maps telling us step by step and they can get their asses home we have to have maps wherever we go it's just crazy you know what about those dogs i always think this one i mean this is like on a sadder note but what about those dogs like when they're when their companion dies and they can't leave and they don't want to leave their grave site oh yeah there's that movie about um a dog in Japan doing that. It's starring Richard Gere. It's called Hasa. Oh, it's called Sa. I know what you know. I, well, I know what this. He's a famous dog in Japan. There's like a statue of him at the place yeah, where I was. Yeah. 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 And he would actually go to the train station every 
day when he came home from work. He would run to the train station. And then when he died, he would still go to the train station waiting for him, hoping he'd be there. Hachiko. Yeah. Uh, and what, what Rupert Sheldrake was saying in his book, too, is that it, it's not only dogs that have this. It's that uh, we should be looking at it as a form of biology, that it's within all of us. It's in humans, too. It's just that for some reason we're more disconnected. I mean, Tiffany, if you think about, you know, the, the rural, uh, traditional uh, communities in the world where it's not... Uh, industrialized not technology you know a yeah. little bit more rural it's easier to imagine them having you know the, a more spiritual connection with nature and absolutely everything around them right yeah because look at think about um you know native americans or any you know aboriginal like cultures that lived off the land and the, you know they were they were <laughs> absolutely in more in touch with what's going to their surroundings and having that sensory experience or having that extra you know that third eye um knowing what's going on and we've we've really lost touch with that we've surrounded us like you said with technology with buildings with you know we're less connected to the earth itself and just connecting with everything our surroundings and that's where we can have more connection to that sensory or that that mindset i think it's a common uh, idea that civilization and our somewhat addiction to technology is in our sense blocking our sixth sense but i think it's also helping the greater awakening of spirituality and perceptiveness because on the internet more and more people are coming forward and talking about these things and people can get connected and so on so it's also helping exactly and that's the thing it's up to us to make decisions in our lives to try to connect more if that's something that we want it's up to us and i think that if we do we are gonna be on a better relationship situation with animals, because if we connect with animals today, and I'm not talking about our dogs, like animals in modern society. If, besides dogs, what, do, what animals are in modern society? I mean, we keep the animals in, in industries to uh, get, get the meat from them so we can get the food. I mean, if we were to connect with them, that wouldn't be very pleasant i think no absolutely not i mean that's one of the reasons like i you know i know it's people are gonna poo poo this but one of the reasons i don't like to eat meat because i feel like i'm eating the the pain and suffering of that animal and you know another institution in society is of course the dog shelters where we go and we talk about you know when we go there that it takes like several days before we wash off that terrible energy we get from spending a couple hours in there like you know you yeah. leave there feeling drained and sad and yeah weird. yeah it's intense it's intense and the dogs feel it too that's why they have a really hard time in the shelter is because they sense all of those dogs around them feeling and going through some a major anxiety and depression and uh, where else do we have animals in modern society? I mean... Zoos. Yeah, gosh. I know. I mean, yeah, you don't want to go there and connect. God, terrible. Yeah. And where, where else do we have animals? We have rats in restaurants. I bet they're happy. 
Yeah, at least they're free. Yeah. And they got yeah. good food and shit. Yeah. You know, it's good stuff. Yeah. So, so then if you think about, you know, the, the rural communities, traditional, whatever you want to call them, non-industrialized communities like mm-hmm. tribes in Africa, South America, mm-hmm. Asia, I don't know. Yeah. You know, they they connect with animals that they live off of in the wild or they have their herds of animals that live sort of like with them in harmony in a whole different way. They're not packed away in a different building like it's. A whole different flow of energy. And I bet you those people don't have the same struggles with uh, mental health as we do. I would say that's probably true. Everything, I think that for us, if we're having so much mental health issues, then we're not fully comfortable in our own bodies. And we need to connect more to get more grounded and connected to what really matters and you know, it's hard. There's a lot of distractions in the world and a lot of different things going on and into our entering our minds and uh, it's a lot. And so how do you shut that all off? You know, well, the dogs do it all the I time know. for them is as natural as it is for you to speak English, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's like a matter of just making the time for it and working on it. And, you know, I bet that, you know, we can we just got to put put some i don't know just uh tap into it somehow uh one really interesting thing i uh, also read in this book uh, by rupert sheldrake is uh, the power of the stare the stare you know when someone is staring at you yeah Tiffany? you can yeah. feel it oh sometimes. yeah yeah uh, I think everybody can relate to that. Yep. Sometimes you feel somebody looking at you, you and you can you feel turn it. around. And yeah. Because you can actually feel it. Uh, and it's a fun thing to test. You can do it right now uh, at home with your dog. Uh, if your dog is sleeping or has his eyes closed, stare at him and he's likely to feel it and open his eyes and look at you. Mm. And, and I don't mean like just like look at him. I mean like stare, like fixate your eyes and like, Stare at them, and um, they tend to. Yeah, they know uh, you're there. That, yeah, you know? they sense it. Yeah, they're like. I tried it with Journey. It totally works. Yeah, yeah, I think I have done that, and it's like they're they know they're just so in tune to us. So how can they know when their eyes are closed? They feel it. They know. They know. And uh, you know, in a scientific way, you'd probably explain that with uh, evolution. The dogs that are being preyed upon do best if they can sense when someone is looking at them, right? So, I mean, of course, this is a, a trait that has been bred through generations because these dogs are more likely to survive. Um, this is how evolution works. But it still doesn't explain how you can sense that somebody is looking at you when your eyes are closed, Mm-hmm. But like you know, you we ha- we we can tap into that. That's like a yeah, strong we, we have sense. That too. Yeah, like you can feel it. Like if someone's behind you and they're, you just sometimes like in certain people you can feel more energy. Like like it's, but you know I've had where I I I think about somebody and then they right before they call me, like five minutes before they call me or ten minutes before they call me, I'm like I just started thinking about them and then boom, there they are. Totally, totally. Should we talk about? Are we there? Ready to talk about our new dogs? Oh, we are so ready to talk about them. We have three dogs right now. Yeah. 
we'll be getting a fourth soon because I'll be, there's so many, the shelters are overcrowded. It is record numbers. Um, right now, San Diego apparently is really bad. So if you know, if you live in San Diego area or know somebody, please, you know, choose adoption. It's euthanizing, perfectly lovable, well-deserving dogs. Oh. Terrible, terrible. Yes, you live in Southern California. Go to San Diego and adopt your dog and tell your friends. So who do we have? We have Doris, the Jack Russell. And we have Timon, the uh, Terrier. uh, And we have Virgo, the blind puppy girl. And that's right. Last time we were talking about the bagel that we were pulling and uh, we were going to follow up with you guys. And so Timon is actually bagel. Mm -hmm. So it turns out bagel was not a she. (laughs) It was a he. And as you know, we name all our dogs fairy tale names. And so he looks a lot like Timon from Timon and Pumbaa from the Lion Book. Uh, so I, I named him Timon, and he's just been the cutest, curious little puppy guy. He has so much energy. He was a little clueless in the beginning. Mm-hmm. like He was just like bouncing here and there and didn't know what to do uh, about people when he was on the leash, and he didn't know how to play with other dogs, but he's really like picked up so fast. He's a great size. Like, How many pounds is he? I don't know. He looks like he's about 20 pounds, so he looks like he's like just a kind of small maybe he's less than 20 pounds i don't know he's like a small medium dog you exactly know? he's like a small medium dog so like he could be a good adventure dog yeah he really is cool what about little virgo so virgo is a three-month-old puppy chihuahua pomeranian looking mix and uh, you know she's adorable she looks older in her pictures but she's a puppy so um you know surprisingly she hasn't been adopted yet i think a lot of people adoptions are really slow this month in july so you you think it's because she's blind she's actually not blind what she's not blind no that's what so i know i was like oh my god so uh uh nancy told me i think she got it wrong or was talking about a different dog i don't know so she (laughs) So he's not blind. Is he say do we do we put blind on the website? Yeah. Oh, we better change that. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Three little doggies right now and um getting one more soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're busy, you know. It's uh, summer post-pandemic and um, uh, it's uh, getting really real right now. Let's take a moment again to emphasize that shelters are so full. They're more full than they have been in the past five years. Mm-hmm. It's a state of chaos. It's people who are working in these shelters haven't seen anything like this in so long. And they are working their asses off and they are euthanizing perfectly healthy happy, sweet dogs every day because they don't have room for more dogs. Yeah, it's really sad. It's just, it makes my stomach sick because once you meet these, once you meet a dog that you've pulled from a shelter, you can't imagine them not having a life because they're so full of joy being in a home and living their best life and every dog deserves that. And that's why we're here, to spread the word. And if you're listening, I know you're with us. And uh, we want to thank you for that. 
because we need each and every one of us to keep making a difference for these dogs. So keep encouraging your friends and family and to adopt adopt versus go to a breeder. We um, can't emphasize how much this information needs to be spread and the reasons why. Um, because surprisingly, a lot of people still do not know this. Uh, I'm shocked all the time, but I'm like, wow, really the information needs to be get out there and you just have those conversations. Yeah. People do not know that rescue dogs are just as good as breeder dogs. Dogs are dogs, and they can be as good, as bad, as either way, regardless of breed, or being a shelter dog, or breeder dog, being a puppy mill dog. They're all individuals, just like us. Mm -hmm. And so, we are here to be the voice of rescue dogs. And if you want to help their voice reach more people, then please subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram. Fairy underscore tails, like a dog tail, T-A-I-L-S underscore dog underscore rescue. If you follow us and subscribe, then more people are likely to find us as well. So we really thank you for helping us on this journey. Thank you for taking this road with Louise and Tiffany. And um, we will catch you next time. That's right. It's a wrap. Bye. Bye.
Black Eyed Dog.